my ladies, and welcome to the Amazing Bible Book Club. I'm Julie Callio, your host, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Yesterday, in chapters 1 through 7 of 1 Samuel, we saw how God was raising up Samuel. Eli the priest and his two sons have died, and we have come to a transition of leadership once again in the life of Israel. Chapter 8 1 says that Samuel was old, and he had two sons that he had made judges over Israel. And then it said that his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside for money, and they took bribes, and they perverted their judgments. Because of this ungodly leadership, the elders gathered together and said to Samuel at Ramah, Since you are old and your sons do not follow in your ways, now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. This displeased Samuel, and he went and prayed to the Lord. God said to listen to the people, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Listen to their voice, yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them what it means to have a king over you. Then he told them, A king will take your sons, appoint them for himself, for his chariots, for his horsemen, for his captains, and he will reap from your harvest, and he will take your daughters and have them serve him, and he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, and he will take the best, and he will take 10% of your seed. In other words, they'll have to pay taxes, and he will take your vineyards, and he'll take your best of your servants, and he will put them to work for himself. And you will cry out in that day, because your king, which you have chosen, and the Lord will not hear you on that day. Again, ladies, it is a fearful day when the Lord will not hear out our cries. The people said, we still want a king over us so that we will be like all the other nations. The problem is, ladies, Israel was not supposed to be like all of the other nations. And that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Samuel told the Lord and God said, make them a king. Now, one thing to keep in mind is that there were Old Testament passages way back from Moses in the Torah or the law for when this day would come. So God knew it was coming. Number one, in Genesis chapter 17, when God made a covenant with Abraham and said, nations and kings shall come from him. And then he says that Sarah will be blessed with a son and she will be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. Then when we get with Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. He's the one that had the 12 tribes. When he was dying, he blessed the 12 sons, plus he blessed Joseph's two sons. And when Judah was blessed, he said, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. A king has a scepter. And this is found in Genesis 49 verse 10. Then the third Old Testament verse is found in Deuteronomy chapter 17 verses 14 through 20. 
verse 14 cracks me up because it says, When you come to your land, which the Lord your God gives you, and you possess it, and you dwell in it, and you say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are about me. Then God gives guidelines on how to do this and how the king is supposed to be. God is not surprised at this. One of the things that affirms the Bible to me is that the Torah was written 400 to 500 years earlier by Moses, who has been dead and gone a long time. We then had Joshua, who's been dead and gone for a long time. We had the period of Judges, and now these words are fulfilled. Again, this Bible does tell one story. And when we get to the New Testament, we will find, ladies, that we play a part in this story of God. So the story continues. In chapter 9, we see a man from Benjamin. Now keep in mind, at the end of Judges, it was the tribe of Benjamin that was living in sin. The other tribes wiped them out, except for the 600 men who fled to Rock Ramon. Then the Israelites realized they had almost wiped out a whole tribe of Israel. So they got wives for these men, some from the city of Jabesh-Gilead, since they did not join in the battle. And then they allowed the men to take wives as the women danced at a festival in Shiloh. It is this tribe, the tribe of Benjamin, that Saul was chosen from. He was good-looking, and he was taller than any of the other people around. Saul looked the part, but we will quickly see that his actions do not fulfill the part. As one commentator said, Saul is a transitional figure. One thing that Dr. Westerholm said in worship class is that another theme throughout Scripture is God choosing the second instead of the first. I'm still pondering what all that means. As we are reading through the Bible, though, I do see that this is a case for that. It is the second king of Israel that has the heart for the job. So here Saul was tasked with finding his father's donkeys. He couldn't find them, and Saul was going to give up on the task. But his servant said he knew a man of God, Samuel, and he could possibly tell us where the donkeys are. Saul did not have an offering to bring, but Saul's servant did. In verse 9, we see that at the timing of the story, Samuel was called a seer. But at the time of the writing, seers are now called prophets. It is sentences like this that help us figure out the time of writings of specific books. Saul and the servant went up to the city. Remember, this means up a mountain, not heading north. God had told Samuel of Saul's arrival and that God sent him from Benjamin, and he is to be anointed as captain over my people Israel. And he will save the people from the Philistines, for I have looked on my people because they have cried out to me. When Saul arrived, God told Samuel, Behold, the man I spoke of, he shall reign over my people. Samuel told them that the donkeys were found, but please stay with me. Saul described himself as a Benjamite of the smallest tribe of Israel, and my family is the least of the tribe. And he says, Why do you want to talk to me? 
Samuel brought them into the feast. He gave Saul the seat of honor and gave Saul the best and choicest food. They stayed until the next morning, and at the request of Samuel, Saul sent his servant on so the two could talk. And then chapter 10 starts with Samuel taking a vial of oil and pouring it on Saul's head. And he kissed him on his cheeks and said, This is because the Lord has anointed you to be captain over his inheritance. Samuel then tells him three things that will happen to him as he leaves. And this, in a sense, affirms to Saul that what Samuel said will be done. The first was when he gets to Rachel's grave. Rachel was Jacob's beloved wife who bore Joseph and Benjamin. That two men will come and tell him that the donkeys have been found. The second sign is when they come to the Oak of Tabor, there will be three men going up to Bethel, which means the house of God. It's also a place of worship. One of the three men will will have young goats. One will carry three loaves of bread and one will carry a bottle of wine. They will give you two loaves of bread. The third event is that they will come to the hill of God where the Philistines are and then a group of prophets will come down from high places with a harp, tambourine, flute, and lyre, which is a stringed instrument. And they will prophesy and the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them and you will turn into another man. Then Samuel says, when these three signs happen, Do what you need to do, for God is with you. And then in seven days, I will come to Gilgal for you and give burnt offerings and peace offerings, and then I will show you what to do. All that Samuel said happened. Verse 9 says that God gave Saul another heart. Saul prophesied, as Samuel said, and the phrase came about, Is Saul also among the prophets? When Saul's uncle asked what happened, Saul kept Samuel's anointing a secret. He kept it hidden. Then Samuel calls each tribe and Benjamin is picked. And then out of the tribe of Benjamin, the family of Matri was picked. And from that family was Saul picked. But Saul could not be found. He was hidden. Again, I think this gives us a clue as to what kind of kingship Saul will have. It was God who told Samuel, he hid himself among the stuff. That's found in verse 22. The people ran and got him and he was taller than all the people. Then Samuel said, see him whom the Lord has chosen, that there is no one like him among you. And the people shouted, God save the king. Verse 25 says that then Samuel told the people the manner of the kingdom and wrote it in a book, and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent everyone home. Saul also went home, and with him came a band of valiant warriors, whose heart God had touched to follow Saul. In verse 27, But there was a band of men, children of Belial, worthless men, good-for-nothing men, that did not honor him as king. But Saul kept his peace. Now the Ammonites came to attack Jabesh Gilead. 
This was the city where 400 young virgins were taken as wives for the Benjamites in the story of Judges. They cried out and they sent word to Saul, their new king. Verse 6 of chapter 11 says that the Spirit of God came upon Saul and Saul's anger was kindled greatly. He took a yoke of oxen and cut it into 12 pieces and sent it to the tribes of Israel. And fear came upon all the people and they came out as one. Again, this reminds us of the story that happened in Judges. Saul put the people into three groups and they slew the Ammonites. The Israelites wanted to kill the men who did not support Saul as king, but he would not let them because he said, for today, the Lord has brought salvation to Israel. I think this also gives us a clue that it really still is the Lord who fights their battles for them. He then said, let's go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. Gilgal was the first city that Joshua took when crossing the Jordan River. So they went there and the people made Saul king before the Lord and they made sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord. And at Gilgal, Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Then Samuel says to the people, I have been righteous before you. And they agreed. And then he reminds them that the Lord raised up Moses and Aaron and brought them out of the land of Egypt. Then he mentions various judges that God raised up to deliver them out of bondage. And then he mentions this era, the era of the king whom they chose. God then gave them a king. And then the words he shared were similar to the words that Moses gave at his final statement and Joshua gave at his final statement. If you fear the Lord, if you serve him, if you obey him, if you do not rebel against his command, then both you and also the king that reigneth over you will continue following the Lord your God. But if you don't obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you as it was against your fathers. Then Samuel says, I will call on the Lord to send thunder and rain so that you may perceive your wickedness is great. And the Lord sent thunder and rain and the people feared the Lord and Samuel. Samuel told them to fear not, but serve the Lord with all your heart. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it pleases the Lord to make you his people. Ladies, it pleases the Lord to make you his daughter. Then Samuel says, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and right ways of the Lord. Only fear and respect the Lord and serve him in truth with all of your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you do wickedly, then you and your king will be consumed. This shows us what the future of Israel will look like. Well, ladies, today's lesson is a mixture of God's sovereign plan intermingling with man's free will. We know God planned for Israel to have a king since we have seen that God's plan was that his king would come from the tribe of Judah, 
then it seems this first king was too early for God's plan, and yet the people were asking now for a king. And truthfully, for good reason. Samuel's sons did not represent godly leadership. Dr. Betts, my Old Testament professor, said that Saul was the people's choice, but that King David was God's choice. Yet God allowed it, and the kingship was started with Saul. Dr. Betts gave our class a warning that I want to pass on to you as well. He said, When we presume upon the Lord that we know better than he does and to push him on things that we know he is not doing, there is a problem with that. And that truly is a rejection of the Lord. And we reject the Lord when we don't trust in his timing, his way. And we want our way because we know better. Then, in my notes, I have a star circled twice with a, Be careful, Julie! And then an arrow pointing to this sentence. The problem was not the request, but the now part, the timing. Ladies, I am quick to meddle in things, some of which are not even my responsibilities, And most of the time, I don't stop and pray and ask. It's like, this needs to be done, so let's do it. I need to stop and pray and ask for the Lord's direction. Pray for his timing. And sometimes I need to just wait and keep my mouth shut until God says go. This leads me to Samuel's closing words that he would be sinning if he stopped praying for them. And he will continue to teach them God's ways. Ladies, if we are children of God, we are called to pray for the people in our lives. The ones that God has placed in our sphere of influence. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 16 through 18. We are to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks for this is God's will in Christ Jesus for us. This is God's will for us. We are to be women of prayer. The Apostle Paul constantly prayed for fellow Christians. These are just a few of the verses that he states that he prays for people. Romans 1, 9 through 10, Ephesians 1, 16, Ephesians 3, 14 through 19, 2 Timothy 1, 3, Colossians 1, 3 and verse 9, 1 Thessalonians 1, 2, 3, 10, Philemon 1, 4, 2 Thessalonians 1, 11, Philippians 1, 4, and I know that there are more. This is not exhaustive list. Prayer is so huge for the Christian's life. We need it. I need it. We need to lay at the Lord's feet daily the people he has placed in our lives. We are also to pray for the leadership that God has set. Even if they are not Christian leaders, we are called to pray for the leadership that God has placed over us. So ladies, what is the Lord saying to you today? Are you moving at your timetable or are you moving at God's? Are you praying for others and lifting them up to the Lord? Are you serving the Lord in truth and walking in his ways? Do you do it with all of your heart or are you only halfway serving the Lord? Or are you choosing to turn from his ways in total and do your thing? 
Today, ladies, if you hear his precious voice, do not harden your hearts. But ladies, let's be women who obey. Until next time, and thank you so much for listening.